0: What is up, guys? Welcome to the Books to Business Live Thursday Workshop. How's everyone doing?
1: How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, too. I'm good. Zero complaints. What a day. Look at the look at the sun going down behind us.
0: In fairness, I just went on a nice long run about an hour and a half ago, and mm-hmm. there was no sun to be found. So this is kind of a, it's a nice cap. Who are you being fair to? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that. It's a good True. way to wind up and whack anybody with a statement. In fairness...
0: To so who?
2: It's I like don't know Larry anybody. David. Yeah, right. It's like Larry David when he says those type of gestures. He says, it, "He says, what does he say?" You know those open gestures where you're not supposed to really answer them.
1: Yeah, I had a uh, a comment today. It started off with, "I'm not trying to be a jerk, but," then jerk. <laughs> Pretty, pretty common.
0: That prelude always... There's another one, too. What's the other common
1: one? To be honest with you. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you're always going to get lied to right thing now. thing you can Remember say. Remember we were at yeah. the restaurant deal day, and the lady goes, uh, uh, she says, oh, ask me anything. I'll tell you the truth. And then she went on <laughs> and, like, and re- reinforced that? that. I was like, wow, thank God you're going to be truthful to me, because I thought for sure you'd lie. So now I can tell you the real truth. But then she did a double negative reverse on me. She said, I'm an honest person. I'm like, now what? I was looking at Steve. I said, is that a truthful person being (laughs) honest or just a dishonest person being truthful but thinking about being honest today? How about that? That's like the mind exploding.
0: (laughs) You get it. That should be the baseline. Honesty. Come
1: on. Welcome to the Drive uh, workshop. The Drive shop. Live (laughs) uh, book club of the week. Uh, We think you can be a business badass if you read a book a week. You'll be right in line with CEOs. Right in line with anybody, you can tango. Uh, you know, these are most of the books we've read. Um, they're stacking the last, up, man. Oh, no, that's there's, that's there's, there's getting more. high. Yeah, getting more. high. Yeah, we're uh, we got uh, Daniel Kahneman uh this week's so a 20, 22 hour audiobook. Uh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is real, this is tough. <laughs> yeah. I'm fast I'm, and slow, but you got a Nobel Prize. Hope we can get him on a, on a live interview because we did have four time uh, New York Times bestseller, Daniel Pink. He was absolutely awesome if you haven't uh, listen to the interview, or we even watched it. He was totally cool, real funny, down love, to earth. Yeah, I like that guy. Uh, I Can't wait to read his next book. He just wrote a book called "To Sell Is Human" about selling. How we're all selling now. Like it's not like there's salespeople and non-salespeople. Like everyone's a salesperson. But this book's about the, mo- the what you know the surprising truth about what motivates us. And we got a lot of great questions on the book um, about the different evolutionary progressions towards where we are now versus where we started many, many years ago. Uh, the biological motivation, he calls it drive one. I'll just summarize for a quick second for those of you that are catching up. The, the drive one is the biological need to survive. That's the primary motivator, right? Food, shelter, uh, water, procreation, that was it. And that motivated us for many, many years. Tens of thousands of years, if not more. And then... Still does. Yeah. And then, and then when the Industrial Revolution hit us uh, and jobs were created, because that's basically what created a paying job, they had to go to what's called Motivation 2.0, which is the carrot and the stick, rewards and punishments, rewards and consequences. And now he writes about the new drive uh, and what we're doing in companies... Which is contrary to what the science is telling us—that there's something more to someone's career now than just a reward and a punishment. There's a a drive 3.0. Yeah. How would you explain drive
0: 3.0? I go right to to flow. I think, which is like Mm -hmm. the idea. What camera am I looking into, Steve? Like that one. Yeah. The idea that, um, uh, like, when you do something you love and time goes by, you don't even realize it's going by. It's like so. 2.0 is like if you do this you get a reward. So it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll do it to get the reward. 3.0 is you do this for the sake of doing this. Like, it is the reward in and of itself. And so as creative peeps, uh, we're all about that. The autotelic,
1: remember uh, he talked about the rewards embedded in the task. So in autotelic uh, goal, it's like climbing a rock or a mountain or a rock, whatever they do. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I don't do it. But getting up to the top is the goal. And the reward. So it's embedded in it. You don't need to be paid to do it. You do it because you like it and flow. Uh, and Daniel had, a. we talked about flow for about the first 10 or 15 minutes. It was all about, like, the, the game is about getting into a world where you were in flow, meaning time doesn't really pass by. You're, you're serving that triad of purpose, mastery, and autonomy. Yeah, That's where it all sits right now.
0: My favorite part. About that was it was excellent. Yeah, was. I mean, I, I love like because we're. He has a crazy process. Like his, his, like he went from, you know, basically politics, like campaign speech mm-hmm. writing, and then he moved into to writing. And, right. you know, we were like, oh, so you know, you must have followed your, you know, f- delved into flow and left that. And he's like, Yeah, sometimes I just did stuff. <laughs> we're like,
1: that's cool. Yeah. I love that. Was yeah. a speechwriter for Al Gore. Yeah. 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 He kind of you know what was interesting, he was saying that he loves to to write and he'd always get caught writing, he'd sneak away and write and his wife would catch him. And and that ultimately and he was in political science, he was doing speech writing, but he was always writing stories and doing research and sharing it for no good reason other than the fact he loved to write. Yeah. So he had the courage to follow his dreams and became a writer and now he's a full time writer, four time bestseller. Uh, so you know, talk about the three the three intersections in a second. We'll take some uh, questions too. About I think it's the three elements of flow, right? Of
0: autonomy, yeah. or of three um, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, three of, of, of drive three Correct.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: you know, the three the triad was um, autonomy.
0: And let's let's say what it is too, just in case. I yeah. Think, so so the idea is again 3.0 intrinsic motivation he breaks it down into three pieces but he said it in a really good way like these three elements of the the motivation 3.0 they're just ingredients you sprinkle into a pot like you don't necessarily need all of them right uh but you can arrange them in a way that best suits you so
1: yeah depending on the work you do yeah and then yeah it was it was kind of funny like everyone's gonna have to be very deliberate try to include these in someone's job if you're in management. If you own a business, you're managing yourself and others. Um, you know, what what level of autonomy like people want to be autonomous, autonomous. They want to be they want to have a, a purpose. And what was the th- what was the other one?
0: Autonomous means like free, by the way. I had to look that up. Yeah. I didn't know what
1: that means. Yeah, free free freedom of action. Yeah. Yeah, autonomy. Just doing your own thing. Yeah. Most people have a hard time. We think they have a hard time doing that, but perhaps not. You know. But autonomy is a big time, and then mastery—that was the one, not motivation. It's mastery. So it's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. and then purpose. Which, if they all hit the same, if all those circles touch or, or overlap, you really hit gold. Yeah. Some jobs don't give any.
0: Yeah, I mean, we asked him for a few examples, and uh, maybe some of you you heard the the interview, but it was interesting because you know mastery. He's like. You know, you don't have to be creative to master something. Mm -hmm. If I sit down and play my little, what is it, Angry Birds or some golf game, I don't need to have purpose to do that. I just kind of sit there and I go into a little state of flow. Mm -hmm. But I think what we pulled from the situation was, like, the bigger the goal, you know, if you're trying to obtain mastery in golf, for example, like Tiger Wood, not the game, but the actual, like, uh, sport, um, there's going to be lows that need some to be tied to some type of purpose to pull mm-hmm. you through. Otherwise, you just kind of throw the towel.
1: Yeah, when they... when they, um, that makes sense the way I said Totally, that. yeah, because you have autonomy, being able to work on your own, or, or in some cases, the lack of autonomy. And then you have mastery, working towards always getting better. And he uses the, the, the term that I love was asymptote. It's a line that goes towards your goal across the top and then a progression there but never ever reaches it. the asymptote goes up and never reaches it because you never really achieve pure mastery in most things there's always a better always there's the always world. a better best in the world at something and then the last one is uh purpose is that mastery towards something that's amazing and serving versus uh angry birds you know if you, you when at an angry birds you turn around there's no applause there's no awards you just kind of kill a bunch of time I can't but, say that but name there's name health the in that page. there's a lot of of uh there's a lot of benefits to getting into flow, hmm. um, oh, and, yeah. you know. So if you can figure out how to how to allow for that in the work environment, this is the book. I think I told him uh, with everyone working from home, the autonomy is new for some of these people. They're having a hard time figuring out, um, you know, whether or not they can, you know, ride their bike to go get lunch and still do, do their job. Like all that stuff's going to start start. I think um, start kind of playing its hand out. Yeah. Right? Is it okay? Is it okay? As people aren't going back to work in a lot of cases, like what's okay, what's not okay?
0: How would you make the case for it? Because I think that's the question. The data shows mm-hmm. that you know, it's in sort of the creative, intrinsic elements of you know, how we spend our time that we create the best stuff. And, and you know, that's shown with Best Buy mm-hmm. and Google and, and all these places. But like, if I'm a manager and the higher-ups want something from me, and like because it, it kind of goes downhill right so you it's and you talked about it with your agency It's right. like there's numbers to meet so how would you pitch to someone the value of carving that time in when they have those demands
1: well if you're a company and you've already gone through that process a little bit by by force of the uh, of the epidemic or pandemic you're gonna have some information now it's been two months it's not like it was a week and everyone went back to work it's been two months so is the company missing a beat? Like some companies, a fourth of our country's you know, either out of work or getting out of work soon, but there's th- two-thirds that's still working, and the company's made all kinds of changes. So it, I'd love to see the data. You know, it's productivity falling off. I'm sure it has a little bit just because of the shock value of the event. Right. But now as it normalizes, and, and this is the, the new normal, as I'm hearing, like, can you be productive operating with autonomy only providing for results? He calls it a results-only work environment, a row. Like,
0: Where it's like, it, 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 they don't yeah. care how you do it, but at the end of the week, they want the deliverable.
1: I'd be interested, because you, you two are in a, a very structured, corporate, you know, what do you call it? Sandbox, so to speak. Like, sure. you're in their sandbox, and the rule of the sandbox is, if you're in their sandbox, you are going to play by their rules. If you don't like it, go get your own sandbox. Right. So what was, um, you know, what was your take on autonomy? mastery and purpose with regard to that environment that you...
2: In corporate? Yeah. My experience in corporate was really rough because, as you know, I like to jump around and go nuts throughout the day. Uh, and I also noticed because I had one work from home day a week that when I got to do it on my own, I would, I would do more work and I felt the freedom. I felt what he was saying about giving like intrinsic motivations because I had the autonomy to do the work when I wanted. I just understood that that was such a better workflow for me, so I knew that that environment of sitting at a desk on a strict hours was not the way I worked best. Um, but for them, is like I really tried to gear my life around it. So some days I'd go to the gym during lunch. I would uh, plan uh, to do s- different things right after work. Like I'd bring things with me, so I would like flow between their standards. But I would I, a lot of times I would get in work early so I could leave early because yeah. if you came in super early, you can do that. So I kind of tried to. Uh, play within their their your windows employer, of time.
1: Your employer gave you some some flexibility. A little
2: bit, yeah. And especially if I told them like what uh, what my needs were and like my traffic or like I can get to work more efficiently if I leave earlier and I get home faster, mm-hmm. just saves time. So they were open to that.
1: What so. do you think, man?
0: Um, yeah.
2: Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, for for me, the biggest thing was like just no. I had no stake in the outcome. Like the purpose was just non-existent. Mm-hmm. I had no autonomy. But I mean, well, I could work from home. Like my boss was cool about that, but like I, I just didn't care to or want to. Right. And then I had like mastery, like we said, of anything requires effort and some type of vision. And like again, when you're not buying into this overall purpose or vision, why the hell are you going to master something?
1: But they also he he also did a lot of research, and Gallup said that the um, this was years ago when the book was written, which was around 2009, I think. of workers are actively, or strike that 50% of workers are not engaged at work. Mm -hmm. 20% or higher are actively disengaged, meaning they're deliberately not doing their job, but making it look like they are. Steve with two talks in his cube.
0: Yeah, that was me. I would think it would probably be you, Steve, (laughs) (laughs) the way I've
1: been observing your patterns. (laughs) What was you? Were you actively disengaged or were you engaged? Um, Or disengaged? What were you?
0: No, I mean I was involved. You engaged. Yeah, yeah. I just I just when I, I had to fake that I cared. And that always bothered yeah. well, that's me. That's probably why you dissonance. left. Oh well, for sure.
1: That's yeah. why you left. Yeah. Right. You did, you you were you were probably honorable, which is great. You did the work because you were being paid. Right. You didn't like it, so you knew enough to call yourself out and say, Hey listen, I gotta go.
0: I wanna make an impact. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I was the same way. I I, I did what they asked me to do, but I, I wasn't trying to do more mm-hmm. with them and like I remember I talked about this one time on the podcast already, but I did some, a task that was very difficult, got it done, and I had no meaning. Like, it was yeah. almost like what Daniel was talking about is like, I felt good about accomplishing something but it meant nothing to me and I didn't even, I didn't see any greater picture with it. I have a question here if you want to yeah, take one. go for it. Uh, this is from Taylor. What's going on, Taylor? She's a hey uh, big fan because she brings up the 12-week year and she says, how do you think Motivation 3.0 can tie into creating goals like in the 12-week year?
0: Do you remember you asked him that? That That's such a good question. Um, that was great. And idea. he said that the, this is what's interesting. He answered Steve's question. He said that planning is a creative process. Mm-hmm. and oh, it's a, yeah. Right? And yeah. it's like an opportunity to kind of shape and shift and create something that works for you, and it should be fun and experimental. But the whole point of the book, The 12-Week mm-hmm. Year, is yeah. that, you need the intrinsic piece, but you also can't hide from the numbers because right. they guide where you place your creativity. And I think I think that's the best way to articulate that.
2: Yeah, the,
1: you need the, two. The distinction I'd make is a 12-week year is an operating system to drop in, um, execute your plan. Uh, motivation 3.0, which is drive, is about... Um, you might be able to put the, you know, learn the book and execute the book of drive within your 12 week year. Take you 12 weeks could take you longer to, to go from a extrinsic factor system. Like you're motivating with rewards and punishment to an intrinsic uh, system, which is there's, there's value to the autonomy. There's value to the fact that you're contributing. There's value to the fact that you're attaining mastery at something. All that portion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a feeling versus the 12 week year is a system. Um, that's got some really good science, and but they both are very science-based books. In fact, I, I, I was coaching a guy at 2.30 today, and he and Brian are talking, Brian Moran. Oh, cool. And they connected through this podcast, which I thought was awesome. Oh, that's ah, awesome. I, I made a referral. Oh. Yeah, I, told, I said, hey, the guy's wants, he's reading a business plan book. I saw it on his desk. I said, well, you should read Brian's book. Brian's yeah. is a whole system. It's not like some flavor of the week gig. This is a whole entire deal. <laughs> yeah. And when you want to take in content and, l- and learn however you learn, um, you know, the 12-week year is an operating system. To in, in, you know, like we have in our business plan, the 12-week year uh, as a as a planning tool, right? And we have a vision for what we should get if we if we do it right. It's a framework. Yeah, and the and then the the, the drive is like the environment that we they live in. Like we, we live a lifestyle friendly business, right? We we don't have set hours. Uh, we all have our own businesses. This is kind of something that we've, we've used books and this framework to execute a, a very enjoyable business that gives me flow. I mean, it's one of the few things I do that it, I could do it for free, for sure.
0: We come together for a, a happy time. And we <laughs> argue about
1: the book. <laughs> we, <are. laughs> we argue, enjoy each other. We don't really argue that much. Not really. No, I, for the I most keep all part. my
0: bad thoughts to myself, you know.
1: No worries. I don't care. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> no, we. You could make an argument that it's perfect for.
1: <laughs> no offense, isn't that one of the other things you could Did say? Did I to say No, but you, that that's the one we were looking I for I one was like, "Say one no one offense." That, uh, you said, "In th- there all there was fairness," another, but there was another one though. Oh, I thought it'd be. No offense, David exactly.
2: He says, "Like I think someone had a book actually." Larry David. He's like, "No offense, I loved your book." Don't take this the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're winding up to punch someone. So funny. Um, but for intrinsic people or people
0: that value intrinsic motivation, yeah, I say that like the twelve week year is my lifeline. I still struggle. I slipped this week. The book, the, the video that I want to put out tomorrow, yeah. Life in Color, supposed to be out Tuesday, and yeah. Wednesday, and Thursday. Like when I don't have some boss screaming at me, it's like I, I do other things, and you know, and it's gonna go out tomorrow. But yeah. that plan. And really sticking to that is great for creatives. We
1: do our WHAM, our weekly accountability meeting. This, week, this week's WHAM, which I think we did Monday, right? We mm-hmm. created a product, like something we can all do together that we all enjoy, which was is built out of something that we just did as a favor to the authors that you know that were on the show. We yeah. did our first uh, book trailer for the author. Um, and in this, the first case, it was Alex Ves- Veseli, who was Victor Frankl's grandson. We did a book trailer for him that's like lights out amazing. Eddie, Eddie and Steve and conspired on having this visual uh, book trailer that would encourage people to read the book. And we did one for Brian in the 12 week year. And now we have an offering to other authors. Like we're doing one for, for uh, Daniel Pink this week as a, as a courtesy for coming on the show. Um, but it turns into, could turn into a great little product for for an author. Like, who wouldn't want a trailer for their book? Right. And a lot of people have a great book, and there's no action to get into it. Like, you got to, why, why do I read this book? So the trailer does that. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. But that yeah. was from the WAM cool. meeting, our weekly accountability meeting. Practice what you preach, man.
0: Which we got to have on the boardwalk, in public, eating food at a restaurant. Oh, boy. And it was Careful. surreal. <laughs> I was like, "Am I not supposed to know?" I, like, I ate there
1: open. today. Yeah, I ate the same place again today. You did? Yeah, I loved it. Great. They're out of kale, but other than that, <laughs> twice. Well, we have care. salad, was,
2: we but we don't have kale or cob. Remember that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, you know. So if you if you think about you know uh, Drive three point is about you know having <laughs> the factors involved that are intrinsic in the way you conduct business, either for yourself or for your company, even your clients, like. Is there more to it that's intrinsic? And the intrinsic is, I did a short video on this the other day, like intrinsic is a value that's not measured with anything real. It's the feeling that makes something more valuable. Like a, a family heirloom, as I said the other day, like a, a wedding ring from your great grandmother that worth X, you know, is worth hundreds of dollars, isn't, is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in intrinsic value. Right. So you want to have to look at your job and say, this job pays me 80 grand. But the intrinsic value, I, I mean, is worth th- three times that. I wouldn't even consider a ten or twenty percent pay raise to leave. Yeah, and that's when you hit hit gold with a with a with a structure, and that is autonomy. You know, giving people the the the, the results only opportunity to work and give them something that challenges their skill set that they want to improve upon with mastery, and then um, blend in a little. Little sauce of purpose, and I think you got a good little ma- recipe.
0: Let's talk about the Goldilocks. Uh, what is it? Is it the Goldilocks method or the Goldilocks?
1: Goldilocks. just the concept. Yeah, the, you know? yeah,
0: it's when it comes to flow and mm-hmm. in, in intrinsic piece, the, the intrinsic piece of motivation.
1: Well, it's Goldilocks, right? It's not too hot, not too cold. Yeah. So, Goldilocks is a task that's not too easy, not too hard.
0: And that's where we find our comfort zone and make our, our yeah. awesome, our most valuable content.
1: Yeah, he got that from Czech. Sent me high. Mihal Check Sent me high. Uh, book flow uh, about all the the big issues with flow is it, it it's um, you know it's it's something that requires concentration and the feedback is immediate and the goal is obvious mm-hmm. and when that happens you also get and if it's hard enough you also get a, a time kind of goes away there's no much time. I mean, imagine if that, you do see that. Like, you work for hours and hours, I see. Sometimes you don't come out of there for the whole half a day. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it feels like that sometimes. There are periods of
0: flow, and then there are periods of, you know.
1: He talked about that with writing.
0: Yeah. Dude, I can't imagine. Like, that's got to be such a painstaking thing. Mm -hmm. I heard uh, Ryan Holiday talk about that. It's really, like, the discipline you have to have is just brutal, you know.
1: Right, research, right, research. Um, Yeah. Wow, that'd be
2: a tough one. Got a question for you. This yeah. is a good one. Uh, as you think about your own best work, what aspect of autonomy has been most important to you? Autonomy over what you do, the task, when you do it, the time, how you do it, the technique, or with whom you do it with, your team? And then how, uh, this one's how much autonomy do you have at work right now, but you don't need that second part. So what part of autonomy w- I love that question. Uh, would be when you did your best work?
0: when you don't have a client, like when you don't have, oh, like there's okay. no expectation. You know, mm-hmm. I say that a lot. It's like yeah, when there's no guidelines, you really bring out your best, your best work, your best content, because you make what just what feels right intrinsically.
1: It's an expression of art in that regard, right? Yeah. Like you're expressing yourself. Yeah.
0: Um, Whether it's a speech or, you know, even mm-hmm. a business idea, even right. even. Gmail, right? As they say, was created in that, like, without the expectation, you remove the pressure to focus mm-hmm. on anything, right. but the task at hand.
1: Yeah, there was a study about art and the artists that were paid, and the, and then they were paid, and they were real people. Like they weren't, they were engaged because they got work, and that work helped them do something else, become an artist. But the the, the work that they they sold their own art mm-hmm. was technically okay. Uh, it was technically uh, good, but the artistic expression by art connoisseurs—they could tell that the expression was off from their their non-contract work. Yeah, I guess that's where you go. Is like in art, like if you're if you're and a lot of people like art is a interesting, uh, you know, uh, guideline to art. I mean, anything could be art, but if you got if you're paid to do it and you have to do it, sometimes your creativity kind of gets robbed.
0: Like I was thinking about very rarely. And if either, if anything comes to mind, let me know. But like, is an artist's best song, like in music, something that they write for a soundtrack? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was trying to play that in my head. like.
1: Um, well, he had a great, also a very great analogy, Daniel. We asked him about his best work, and he says, you know, those that have created the best things in life are usually the result of a lot of reps. Yeah. Right? Because he said, he said, you know, in hockey, one of the key indicators in hockey are uh, shots on net. So the teams that shoot the ball at the net more uh, do better and, you know, and, and have breakthroughs. Those that, that wait and wait and wait and don't take a lot of shots, like the perfectionist, um, they struggle. Long and in average. business, I see that a lot. Like people don't put anything in play.
0: There's so many studies that emphasize that again and again and again. There's one with photographers that was one of the books you yeah, book that we read. Uh, yeah, that was that? Atomic Habits.
2: Was it? I think it was. Yeah, it I was. Think you're right. Yeah. That, was a, that was a great one. I love that Do you remember the details? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll try it. Back. I'll give it a try. I think it was the, there was two teams in a photography class. Once they said, you're going to get graded on how good the photo is. Right. And, and so everybody was trying to make the perfect photo. And then the other group was graded on how many photos they took. Right. And uh, the people who were graded on how many photos they took became way better photographers because they just kept taking a million pictures, and the people that only to produced one photo tried to make the perfect when they got no practice in. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it, right uh, yeah I think that was, no. was a
0: hole in one <laughs> even even your ls, the losses propel you you know that's right. All those things are real, There's and all data the data that backs them.
1: Yeah, you know, all the elements that you're talking about with time, team, technique, and let's the other one I forget. Um, there's four there's four of them uh, task task the autonomy means you have the ability to choose who when how and everything about the goal and then you would get a lot of fulfillment Um, I had really big issues a lot of times I was in a highly regulated industry where I was you can hire this person but you can't hire that person because they didn't fit into the box you know whatever it was education or they didn't have uh, it was just like objective rules that don't have any real reason to exist existed in some of these thick corporations. It seemed pretty procedural based on like what you tell me. Totally. And every time I every time I said, you know, I hired a guy who was a chef once and no one wanted to hire this guy, right? He was a chef. Like not even strike that. He was a cook. He wasn't a chef. He cooked. He flipped eggs. And, you know, he did like banquets in these giant VFW halls. So that's what he did. And he took him seven times to pass the exam. They didn't want to hire him. I said, well, he's still taking it. I like that. And, of course, we hired him. The guy's tremendously successful. Awesome. This is like 20 years ago. Like, that's he's so killing it. Like, oh, but you shouldn't. And there's all these tests that say, you know, if you take this personality test, you'll be more successful as opposed to, like, someone that didn't take it and become successful. Like, they almost rely too much on the test. Like, that's, like, the worst part of autonomy. Like, you have to hire someone who gets at least a, an 18 out of 25. Like everyone else doesn't get hired, so that's the one and only way to be successful. Like, that doesn't make any sense.
0: My brain struggles with standardized tests. I just, it, I like to reread things like two mm-hmm. or three times. So, like, the time constraint <laughs> on the test kills me. Yeah. And I was looking, just, just for fun, I was looking at some of the top business schools Just poking around, and all of oh, them yeah. require the, the GMAT. And I'm like, uh,
1: You never learn how to take a multiple guest choice or a test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I, can. I, I mean, got, I, the, I don't know if the bang's worth the buck It's a quick YouTube video on but, it. I don't know. Uh, I share, about I
2: that. got a great comment here. It's not what? a question, but it's a great comment. And I know Terry, you're gonna like it because um, you mentioned this a lot. It's from Dustin. He says it's not a question, but some things, sometime, something that ties back to start with why. It was interesting to read when Alan Weber's note card exercise to what gets you up in the morning and what keeps you up at night. This is to help find out where you are: autonomy, mastery, and purpose. That keep you up at night and in the morning. What gets you up? The Can you rec? This going to be super annoying, but will you recap that for me? Yeah, sure. Thanks, man. It was interesting to read Alan Weber's note, note card exercise to what gets you up in the morning and what keeps you up at night. This is helpful to find out where you are, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. It was just a comment. Hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, but I, he always brings it up. It's a great comment. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, that, I always get the most amount of engagement on my social. and Not that I do a good job like you guys do, but I, I do throw something out there once in a while. It's always when I ask a question like that, like, What's bugging you? You know what? What are you concerned about? And I got one guy said um, I, I I did what you catch up in the morning, and someone said an uh, incredible urge to pee. <laughs> I was like, that's for me too. Like but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's literal. <laughs> that's, that's a that's carrot and stick. That's yeah, when you're 50 years old. Like technically, it's not the morning yet when I have to do it. But you know that was like funny and got people talking. They said, no, my kids, no, my job. Somebody changed jobs. Somebody was thankful and grateful for to still have their job. It was really cool. And then, of course, what keeps you up at night? Those are, those are the big pains people have. So if you're, if you're ma- visiting with an audience, you should know the answer to both of those things. Yeah. You know, what, what are you worried about? What, you know, what's your number one problem that if it went away, your life would be better? And the other one is, why do you get up in the morning? Like, looking back 10 years from now and you had a great life, what's it look like? What's a great life look like to you?
0: It's, it's interesting to juggle the little things and the big things. You know, like what matters. We we were all talking about outside today. Like my routine of, you know, the the morning thing. Like when I wake up in the morning, it's immediate stress now, (laughs) because it's like okay, like you got to produce immediately, and it's and it's great because like yeah, you get stuff done right away. But my mornings were awesome, and now like you know, I got to make a few adjustments there. I Uh, thought
1: it was an interesting dialogue. I really enjoyed it. You were you know you're kind of conflicted between adding. The, vid- the high level video interaction to your content in the morning instead of just dropping a an audio right i mean it 'd be interesting because you don't know it's of course it's you know you 're putting one out every day are you doing all seven days yeah that's seven shots on net versus spending <laughs> you know, a lot of time with putting out one thing that takes a whole week i mean that 's interesting yeah whether or not it's I've i guess, never done I, it I guess what you'd need to do to learn that is to talk to your clients talk to your audience I think you 're getting really good feedback but Uh, If you're losing your quality of life, you lost your autonomy now. like Those are the the magic moments I barely ever see in the morning anymore.
0: I know. The trick's going to be to do it at night and schedule it for the morning.
1: There's a question on routine, so I'll give you
2: this one. What's up? Oh, I lost it. Uh, Where is it? (laughs) I just lost it. Why can't I read this one? As you think of your best work. I'll, I'll give you this one. I can't find it now. Describe a time when you've seen one of the seven deadly flaws of carrots and sticks in oh, action. You. What lessons might you <laughs> others from the experience? I'll, I'll read you the laws. I got you right here.
1: You got the laws.
2: Of yeah, seven I got laws. the laws for you. What yeah. lessons might you and others learn from the experience? How have you seen these instances when carrots and sticks have been effective? So the seven deadly flaws of carrots and sticks are up there on the TV too. It says they can e- extinguish right here. You see them? Yeah, yeah, yeah they can extinguish intrinsic oh, yeah, 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 motivation right, right. they okay. can dis- diminish performance they can crush creativity they mm. can crowd out behavior good behavior they can right. encourage cheating shortcuts and unethical behavior they can become ad- addictive yeah. they can foster short-term it's thinking it's
0: so funny to see this after listening to an audiobook cuz like when you see something bulleted out that's the entire book yeah. like that's, yeah. that's everything in the book
1: yeah this is the seven, seven deadly flaws yeah yeah right it, I've seen them all pick yeah, one. Yeah, you talk. I think it's ethics. I think you're, if you're motivating people with a big giant carrot, and sometimes 30 to 50% of your compensation depends upon you hitting a goal, and that goal is given to you, you will do whatever it takes a lot of times. And there's two issues at hand you got survival of, of financial survival, and then you also have identity. Like if you're connected heavily to recognition programs and you got to perform. And all of a sudden, it looks like you're not going hit, to hit your bonus or your goal. Holy cow. Like, that's what, that's what Enron, that's what happened with Enron, these companies that started cooking the books because they, they didn't have um, alignment with compensation to behavior. And there were things that were out of their control. That's why goals are really, really important to extract from someone based upon autonomy, mastery, and purpose instead of saying, here's your goal, gotcha. deliver 3 billion widgets, or you only make 50% of your pay, not 100
0: Will you throw them back up, Steve?
1: Sure. That was the one. That's always the one. You can't throw money at, at, at results. You'll, I, you'll I, create I, a disconnect. That's the point.
0: I haven't seen much experience Creativity. with ethics. Uh, I, you haven't? You no. Know, I think just because of the world that I've, I've, I've been in, kind of away from that. But, like, diminishing performance, you know, that's you could say that's Steve and I all the mm. time. When you play to the algorithm, you lose. You create worse content. When you, play, when you create for likes, you don't do as well. Um,
1: oh, that's interesting,
0: can become addictive. Well,
1: yeah, the result, the reward like, like again, if you get like salesperson of the year every year, I've seen this firsthand, by the way. This person turned into an absolute monster, like, they did on stage, got you know, written up in big articles, and turned into a monster. And it challenges ethics, yeah, totally. Oh, that's did. a good point. I know, and it cost him everything. He paid the ultimate price because he started compromising. Their values to retain the identity, and that's what you'll do when your your motives aren't in line as a company with the workers and the and the key leaders. Uh, there's a disconnect, and a miss. you're going to get that level of, of um, shortcuts. I mean, shortcuts and ethics are very. These are all cousins. All these seven things. Yeah, they're similar. It's like they're not doing what you're paying to do. You're paying for nothing. You're actually paying for something's going to hurt you, and then they're they're going to che- they're going to they're going to cheat. They're going to not represent really what's going on. They're going to do whatever they got to do to hit their number, to feel better and to get paid better.
0: What about the education system? Like,
1: hmm. like I remember playing the game to get
0: A's in high school, oh, but yeah. I, don't, I didn't learn a thing in high school. Like, I literally yeah. did what I had to do to master whatever that particular assignment was yeah. or test was, and then I'd forget it. And I found myself going to college needing to, like, stay after with professors to learn how to write. Because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like. I That's mean, true. it's really an interesting thing.
1: I kind of get like that. The someone told me once? There's a college for everyone. Like someone, did, someone doesn't necessarily have them the grades to get into college. And I was help, trying to help a friend get a kid into college. He goes, "Oh, there's a college for everyone. He just got a stroke of check." Yeah, that There are, you know, that school's definitely compromising their values to get enrollment, to get revenue. Whoever's doing that and letting that that child go through, and I think it happens too with. Uh, with with some uh, school systems, right? Well, that's that, what I'm talking. Kind of what you're talking about, like, high school. Yeah, like yeah. They're, they they got to hit these these grades on the equivalency exams and stuff like that.
0: And you and you hit them, and then you go play with the big boys, and it's like you haven't oh. written all these papers and done oh, all these things. You I got gotcha. you, yeah, yeah. So like I'm. I'm sitting in a political science classroom and it's like six papers throughout the course of a semester. I'm like, dude, I don't know how to do a political science paper. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. So it was, I mean, I got there. I got there, but it was just a long process. Not that my point was because I wasn't trying to learn. I was trying to do what I had to do to, That's a really good point. Yeah.
2: In school, you ever, when when homework's based on completion, you just complete it. Like, you would never do it, like, to get the A, if they said, you just have to write one word, you would, every, every kid would do that, they would yeah, never, they would, yeah. nobody would do that.
1: In college, it was attendance, you had to go to a certain amount of exactly. classes, so we just walk in
2: and go to sign in and go to sleep,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we did, there'd be 20 of us in the back row oh, sleeping.
2: I found the other question what? that I was looking for, okay, pink draws a distinction between routine work and non-routine work, how much of your work, your own work is routine, how much is non-routine, abroad? I was thinking of that one when you were talking about the mornings routine.
0: Um, well, I think the parameters are routine, right? Um, mm. But it's there's freedom and flexibility in terms of what they're going to create. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, without structure, it's very hard to do anything because it's like life becomes like herding cats. Right. It's hard to... Channel and create that structure. So, routine helps me because the, what's the Jocko quote? Discipline equals freedom. Equals freedom. Yeah, it's hard to mess that one up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah di- discipline equals freedom. I love that. Um, when you have some structure in your day, it allows you to not think about the the nuance and the stuff that distracts, but focus on being the best version of yourself. Yeah, you agree with that one?
1: Oh, I do. I mean, I think we live different kind of different lives. I mean, I'm still consulting uh, to corporate and. I didn't like it initially, but they have opened up and they're more flexible about we, the way we train and interact. Yeah. And well, a lot good. of it's because of the, the transformation that's happening. Some companies are going to get left behind. So that's been really fun. The reality is we're still teaching people how to do something they don't know how to do. The, the, what's, what's cool is the way we're figuring it out. Mm. At some level, I'm kind of adopting this model where people learn a little bit on recorded video and they interact from wherever they are in the world and then they send in questions and then they jump on a call. Like that's how, that's a mastermind learning s- so, uh, system. That's how I've learned most everything since I've left, you know, the industry. I was in for 25 years. I went off, I'd get a piece of content. I'd, I'd, I'd absorb it, you know, video, uh, audios, whatever. And then I'd collect some questions. I interact with the questions and I'd show up for some live thing and ask questions. Yeah. So you have an opportunity to learn a lot of things. Like we, we've, we've, we've We've both lived a long, a long um, life here with books, at least. I mean, yeah. we've got lots of, lots of book knowledge, and I have lots of business knowledge. You have very unique, uh, specific knowledge and motivation.
0: Yeah. It's been uh, fun to see you inject that into, you know?
1: Right. Um, That's been fun. It has been fun. That's not been routine. Right. First time I did it, I got kind of yelled at, but now it's kind of like open
2: door.
0: <laughs> a little slap on the wrist. I don't care.
2: Good question from Bernie here. It says, "What's the one thing that you'd want your audience to take away from the book review and the interview with Daniel Pink?" So maybe one thing from the book. One th- we probably touched on what your probably favorite part is, but what would you want them to take? Make sure they take away. I like the explore piece. I, I mean, to me, that's like maybe maybe the bias is because it's relatable,
0: and you know, anything that like. Is close to home for for me. I'm like, oh that's great. Yeah. But like I I just love how he followed his intuition and he tried things and fell on his face sometimes, but didn't sometimes. And you know, just let curiosity guide him. Mm -hmm. And you find someone that has discovered talent in different areas and just done some great things. Like people don't do that. They don't do that. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's such power in that.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm a purpose junkie. Because I spent a lot of time, you know, chasing extrinsic goals. So I used to be type e, type X, extrinsic motivated. Now I'm pendulum swung the entire swung swung the other way. Yeah. the almighty pendulum. So the type the type <laughs> I that's an inside joke. But the type the type I behavior is intrinsic, and now I'm like drawn to anything related to purpose. Because look, you know, when you're at the end of your end of your life potentially, and you're looking back, you want to say, "Wow, I wish I lived this life and would trade it for no other." Yeah. The reality was that wasn't the case. So now I'm like, okay, time is finite, and I'm looking back on my life, and what would I want? I'd be wanted to, to reduce it down to one sentence, like he said this with, uh, it's called a one line sentence, a one sentence life, like Abe Lincoln. You know, he preserved the union and freed the slaves. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go through that level of contribution to the world, like that's Abe Lincoln's one line, and he had another one, uh, you know, raised two kids to become. Amazing gentlemen and contributors to a good society. Like that would be cool to Yeah, yeah. There's another one he talked about. A lady she taught two generations of children how to how to speak English. I know someone that teaches you know people that speak English in one year fluently in her program. Like she's like incredibly charged out of that. So the one line sentence, which is in the purpose part of the book, at the you know at the three element thing.
0: Would you say it's your why? I mean, it's Simon Senex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Carryover.
1: Meaningful things in life are always going to percolate around purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way, I think that's just the way we're all going to be wired, because as algorithms start to take over the world, we need to have an identifiable process to make a contribution for our own sanity, but also for, you know, to be role models for our children.
0: He said 70% of of work is heuristic now. Yeah. So the algorithmic stuffs being outsourced anyway. So right. if you don't have that that purpose into what you're doing, and then sort that's sort of interesting. Just, yeah. Also, uh, this was in the happiness hypothesis. This was one of the first books I read out of out of college, and it was also in here. And it was mm-hmm. the idea. It's kind of like the underlying premise for all this. It's like money, the externalities that we mm-hmm. chase, or we tend to. Um, once you have enough. Like once you're comfortable and the number I've seen change, you know, some, it was 75 the first time I read it, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know, I don't know what it is now. Um, but once you have that money, people become indifferent to money, right? It doesn't make them happy. It doesn't add anything to their lives. It's one of those things where there's always a normal, I was talking about this with someone the other day, like life becomes normal no matter what. If you yeah. are, you know, living in a one-bedroom apartment wherever, or you're living in a castle, eventually it becomes normal, it becomes the standard, right. and you're thinking, well, what's next? It's, it's, it's an impossible battle without purpose to try and get anywhere with material stuff. And I I've always hesitate to say that because I know there's sort of a cliche, like, money won't make you happy, but it, it doesn't. You normalize it. And so you need something personal. You need a purpose to chase. You need things to master
1: in life. And people really struggle trying to identify what that is. Like, you, you almost have to beat it out of them sometimes. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Why are you here? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, all the time, I was like, what gets you up in the morning? They're like, oh, I got to pay my bills. Like, you need to search. There's something going on there. Yeah. You got to get more.
2: I was going to say, that reminds me of what Daniel said, which probably be my takeaway, what he said, was he doesn't, like passion, he doesn't like the word. Or people, mm-hmm. when people ask him what his passion, is, he says, "What do you do?" Because when he was writing, he was saying that's what he did, like when, when on his free time. Right. And he doesn't like it always, but he he likes it and he'll do it always because he enjoys it. But it's it's so that's how he found his quote. Was an implication
0: passion. that he, he's not passionate about? What I don't he think. So.
2: I think the I think he just doesn't like the definition of the word because it yeah. to me it, he was describing passion
0: because oh, we he should, was, We should have pried a little bit on that. Yeah. I don't really get it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it, it, I mean, I would guess it's, it's along the lines of Victor Frankl's book. Like, I think he you, know, meant like, you might not know what it is until the very end. Like, yeah. what, what, if you're looking for it, you'll have a likelihood of finding it.
2: I think he was saying that like, passion kind of seems like it's a burning thing that's always there. Like He always loves writing every single time mm-hmm. he writes. Mm-hmm. But he right. found he loved writing and he would do it. But then since he was good at it and he wanted to make something out, but he had to do it even when he didn't feel like doing it. Yes. So.
0: Could you say, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Could you say flow is like mastery?
2: He, he, there was a great quote in the book. I, I mean, flow it. is
0: like uh, passion. Sorry,
2: they're similar. I think I think if you're if you're in flow, I think there is some level of passion there, and I think if that flow is taking you towards mastery, then I think that might be your passion. Exactly. Yeah. So
0: that's where my mind's going. And he says, any mastery starts with flow. Like flow yeah. opens the door to any pursuit. And so, like, you have to be somewhat passionate about it to go into flow,
1: right? There's got to be some little spark. Well, not true. Um, <laughs> no, I disagree because <laughs> flow, the bo- book flow, which you've you not read flow yet. I haven't. Yeah. When you read I've not read happiness hypothesis, but flow is a cure, a non-medication cure to anxiety. So flow doesn't always have to be something that you you work at. It could be like running or or anything like that. It could be writing music. Could be playing music. Could be listening to music. Could be anything. Um, and
0: none of those things require an element of passion. Uh,
1: no, I mean a, a video game doesn't really. I mean maybe, but I mean you're just kind of ho- your brain's kind of hooked into it. Um, you know the Rubik's cube is it, you know puts a lot of people in flow and they're using the heuristics and not the algorithm when you had to figure out the real puzzle. Mm-hmm. That's a classic example. Like. That kind of, and I'm always saying like there's a difference for sure of like your passion, the way Steve said it. Like that's what gets you up in the morning. But it isn't the angry birds. Like angry birds give some people flow.
0: Well, let's say anything of magnitude, not a video game, but like a big life pursuit. If you're not passionate about it, then, then motivation 2.0 is driving that train.
1: I got you. You I know agree. what I mean? I, yeah, I, I understand that, that particular point is, is now that I think about it. Yeah, you, you're never going to be the best in the world at something that you don't love. Right. I don't think you put the rep you can't be paid enough to put to put the effort in that'll put you amongst the elite. I think basketball players is probably a good example. There were some players that I think it was in Relentless he was talking about. Some players out. Yeah, they they make the money and then they stop and they're like, Oh, that's enough. I'm making good money, get my cash and leave versus Jordan, who would still be playing if his body let him. Yeah. For sure. You know, and I wonder if LeBron James is like he's obviously in that in that uh, pool. There's only three or four, three or four. Uh, <laughs> there's only three or four uh, players in that pool, right? We <laughs> <So, laughs> have it. I had it ready. <laughs> is a good, uh, we have to finally explain this. Now. We did. We did. did we? Yeah. It, it comes up. I did it four times today. I did it three or four times. <laughs> oh, my so God. I, and what that is is when you say you're saying something, you always say three or four. And then uh, this little. I bet bunny. there's
0: science behind that. Yeah, that's that's
2: not many, d- it's, it's not too many. It's not too little. Learn it right. from thinking fast. Goldilocks. thinking fast and slow. I think we'll teach you that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. No, chapter it, four. The, it's like already coming oh, up. yeah, because oh. it's like the you hear something once, and then he's basically saying so many things of what you see, even if it's just in a passing glance, even if it makes no sense to you. Now you have familiarity with it. Okay. So now, if we've said that <laughs> once and we laughed at it, that's a, already like a huge trigger in your brain that, like, when you go to say a number, it's going to come out
1: first. I know. I did it on a Zoom call the other day. I had 150 you people said it today. On. You said yeah, I know. Today. And I look around to see if they start making me laugh. They play a <laughs> stupid commercial, a stupid Pete Puma thing. It's but so funny. Yeah. But uh, what? To speak, what is three or four? Three or four isn't too many and isn't too little. Yeah. Goldilocks. It's Goldilocks. It's Speaking like of. If I say you go out and read three or four books and you can change your life, And like, you say, you got to go read 200 books. Or you got to read one. Like These are believable. Three or four is the right number. <laughs> it's <laughs> always the
2: right number. <laughs> Three
1: or four is the right number. <laughs> uh, i got another great question here from Taylor. Uh, what
2: do you think of the eye exercises, the intrinsic exercises? Do you use any of the, I have them looked up. Don't worry. Do you use any of these exercises in your life, or do you plan on trying any of these exercises? And I believe these are some of the exercises. Let the let 10% see. time, oh. give team members the chance to spend 10% of their working time on a project, give up control, develop Goldilocks tasks, promote collaboration. So what do you think of these tasks, avoiding pitfalls? I think those those tasks, I'm pretty sure those are the exercises. And, and do you use any of them? We just talked about the Goldilocks one. Collab quite a bit.
1: Well, the 10% yeah. rule is company, this is a company that first did it, they called it uh, FedEx days. Like they take a day that. off. And then they develop something. And then the reason they call it FedEx days is the next day they had to tell everybody what they figured out that could work for the company. The Japanese call it Kaizen. Like they. if you have an idea that can improve anything, like never ending improvement is the Japanese concept of Kaizen. I think 10% time is it gives people, you know, who have, you know, people see problems and this is what the whole point in Japanese Kaizen is. Like Toyota keeps offering improvements to a great car. And that, you know, in a company, if you have people that are working every day and they're in it and you're telling them what to do because you have a 2.0 environment, they get paid to do this, they don't get paid to do that, they got to hit a number. And then they're seeing something that will obviously work and you say, hey, you have permission to go figure something out that can help this company. And here's a day off a week to do it. Like, that's a big deal. If you, if you, you know, if you, if you have the bean counters looking at it, they'll have a heart attack. As everyone, everyone blows off a half a day <laughs> playing with their phone now. Right, like oh, might maybe, as well, might more. as well, yeah. At least if you tell them to go figure something out, they can, they got to come back with something.
0: We need to do that because we 20, got ten percent. We got a a lens to make a documentary or do yes. something crazy, and it's just sitting there. Do something crazy. So Eleven
1: minutes left. Hey Steve, yeah. what am I look like? I'm about ready to explode with my blood pressure. I'm not. That, <laughs> I'm not that ready. It's not. I think it's more around red around on the TV. Oh, it's on the TV. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: it's a little worse.
1: Contrast. I went cheap on. He's the TV. really maroon in- and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sensitive to my color. One time, yeah. I was orange. I didn't like oh, that. That's, that's fair. Bothering bother yeah, Wow, fair. red that people think I'm not dying. I'm gonna <laughs> oh blow up from a heart, heart attack. That's it
2: so nice. is. Yeah. yeah, it's what the color comes.
1: You up might want to use ten percent time to figure that out.
2: <laughs> that's not, One thing about ten percent time that I think about is that I definitely need time at night to do nothing, like unwind. Because if not, my mind doesn't. Seems like shut you're off. good at that. Yeah. Well.
1: <laughs> is he good at finding time to do nothing. <laughs> You got mere mastery in that. Yeah,
0: pretty much. (laughs) I liked your idea of bringing a book to bed and just... All right, so here's my problem. Maybe you guys can... Bring in the actual book into bed? Yeah, because we're just looking at screens all day. Oh, gotcha. But my problem is, and this is a little bit of a tangent. I can reel it in in a second. But So I work all day, and I I love what I do, but it's like mentally tiring. Mm -hmm. And I get into bed, and like... I want to watch dumb stuff on YouTube or Ozark for an hour oh, or something. Yeah. And I end up falling asleep to it and I know it's not good.
2: <laughs> I know it's I not good. I would schedule that. Like schedule it like not in bed to not give don't yourself... don't to do it at noon. No, 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 no. Like yeah. schedule it like 30 minutes before bed. So you do that. Because I do the same thing. It's like you watch those things but watch them on like your desk and then... Do it for thirty minutes and when you stop you leave your desk and you leave that environment. Yeah. But like you de- you need that. That's good for you. Like I think that I would not say stop doing just that. Shut just, off the brain for a little yeah, bit.
0: Oh, so you watch in a different place, shut it off, yeah. go to bed. Okay. Okay. That it's makes hard sense. for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just started. We got the TVs turned on here, so I was reluctant about putting those things on. Uh, oh. so, I mean we got a lot of stuff going on. The only reason we got it was for the news. But now you go to the news and you can't even believe either of them anyway, so I just turn it off again. Yeah. So now I'm stuck with what do you do, Steve? What what I do yeah. at night? Maybe I'll follow your instructions. You look well, pretty nice today. Well,
2: sometimes like, it, it kind of depends. That's what I'm saying, is I kind of just see whatever I want to do. The main thing I mm-hmm. do is like, tidy up, clean up everything, get ready so I'm done. And then I usually watch something funny, listen uh, to something funny, listen to music, write some music, or, or read. And then I always just read right in bed, too, because it's hard to just lay down and go right to sleep. So I usually read a little bit of something random, pick a book off the shelf, and just do that. But it's really good because then the only time I lay down is when I, is when I sleep.
0: I keep hearing that yeah too. That's I really mean
2: important. that was that, uh, all these habits though took a long a long time, and also like small baby steps, like the first one was trying to turn the t- I used to sleep with the TV on every night and it was like try to turn it off in thirty minutes instead of an hour, things mm-hmm. like that, so that's how small of a step it was, but I think the comedy or anything that like turns your brain off like that is actually really good before bed. I well,
1: agree I yeah. have a question for <laughs> you, Steve, because yes, this is our check out my one uh, note I got or evernote yeah, I have like all these books in evernote, but. The um, question I have for you is the entity theory versus the incremental theory. Because you teach people how to mm. dunk in a, a basketball, yeah, right? So do you s- subscribe to the entity theory, which says that you are what you are and there's nothing <sighs> oh. you can do to change it, right, mentally and physically? Or you can incrementally improve on something? I, I mean, I know what I am. Yeah. I'm just curious about how you I, deal with that with someone that doesn't... I know where you're going. With have this, the though. ability it's to. It's
0: not as easy as a question as you we'll, think. Well, just
2: so <laughs> I mean, short. I have a short we answer. Got, for that. We got seven so minutes. F- first of all, definitely think everything's achievable, hundred mm-hmm. percent, and then. The thing with jumping is that all it is is strength and speed, mm-hmm. but the hard part is can you actually get stronger? Because <clears throat> I've talked to a lot of different experts, and it's like you can get stronger, you can get fast, but it's hard to balance. Mm-hmm. And then like with strength, you literally have to put more weight on your back and physically make your muscles stronger, and you can, but it's like the act of like pushing yourself that hard. Can you right. do that? So I think if you can do that, then yes, you can change completely and continuously jump higher. But it's tough.
0: You uh, I agree. Like... <coughs> Talent is I mean, we're yeah. incremental. But, you know, and we've had this debate before. You know, if if I if I pull um the valedictorian from Holy Cross yeah. and tell him he's gotta be a professional linebacker by twenty twenty four, it's yeah. not happening. So there are you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like there are obviously parameters we live between, mm-hmm. but yeah, we're incremental. You yeah. know.
1: I mean, do you feel that mentally too? Like is there a level of competency <coughs> someone's brain will cap out at? I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be. Yeah, to an extent. So right.
0: I, everyone can grow. Yeah. But the question is, where's the the, the ceiling?
1: What influence does your identity have with the, whether or not you're incremental or an entity in your life? Because uh, I, I think um, I personally believe I operate under this that you can recreate your brain, your body, and your business to the asymptote, right? The asymptote, like right. near, per, you know, mastering those to the far extent you can and never stopping.
0: I agree. With um, that. I don't but, think anyone's ever achieved what they, you know. Right.
1: People's their, identity are a lot cap potential. themselves. Like they, they make these subconscious commands. Like I am not good at math. I am. I have bad <laughs> handwriting. I, I'm a horrible public speaker. These are subconscious commands. I think that that are way too overused. Because if you just you know this is in Drive 3.0. Like the incrementalist thinks that everything can be learned in an increment. Uh, but at some point, with a physical ability, there's got to be some form of physics that maximizes someone's power and strength. I'm sure and speed. Well, what are your strengths? Strength, yeah. 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 Think so about the stories
0: cool. we tell ourselves, though. Like how, like even the phrase, if you take, like, I'm not a morning person. What does that mean, right? Just get used to waking fool up early. For me, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 someone's saying <laughs> that. Sounds,
1: sounds like there's an army of chipmunks <laughs> in my in our, in our kitchen every morning. There's it's no four way I am loud. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I actually I only know it because I smell the coffee. Okay, yeah. um, <laughs> so maybe to wrap it up,
2: we got a qu- this is a great question to wrap it up. It would be, how would you sum up motivation 3.0 in a nutshell? So motivation 3.0 is take, 0 take it? away the mm-hmm.
1: end of
2: the week. Sure. Um, well.
1: It's an understanding that intrinsic value is far beyond what the data will suggest and what you know, uh, risk and reward environment, like the, the world's moved on away from the mills and the, the, the industrial revolution lined into people's need for fulfillment and need to have growth and need to have connection to what they spend most of their time doing, which is working. <coughs> and we spend 80% of our time at work and sleeping maybe 90, like almost all of it, awake is work. So you got to have some kind of motivation to enjoy that, to be good at it, to feel good and contribute. It's mentally healthy.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's the antithesis of the old way of thinking of things. Mm. You know, the, uh, I think it's as simple as take the lid off. When you you literally remove the expectation and you're able to dive into, like, the Wright brothers, Edison, Mm. Right, they weren't they weren't carrot and stick people. Right, and if they were operating under those parameters, I doubt we'd have a light bulb, and I doubt you'd be flying to Boston tomorrow.
1: Do you know what I mean? True, true, true. true. Um,
0: so
2: anyway,
1: I like that concept. What about you, Steve?
2: Um, intrinsic value, I would say. Besides what you guys say, if there's anything else, I'd add. Um, what was that last part I liked? that it hinders you, like the 2.0 could hinder you. Don't forget that it could narrow your focus. That's what I always come back to. The, it leaves you open. Motivation 3.0 is being really open to all the paths and possibilities and letting your mind open up. Um, and that's it. That's pretty much it. And then you want to let them know what we got for next week? Do we have it around here? Oh, yeah, right there? We right got
1: Thinking Think- fast and slow, Daniel Kahneman. That what's, that that <laughs> what's, the, what's the subtitle on that book? What's the subtitle? Winner of the
0: Nobel Prize in Economics.
1: Oh that's um, enough to buy the
0: book. That's enough man <laughs> that's all the average but it's it's a really cool th- you know two systems of the brain the, the sort of the automatic system oh, and see. the stuff we have to really think about um, so it's cool I'm I'm not too far into it but I, I love what I'm reading. It's a so
1: rare far. book that doesn't have a tagline to it you know what the book is going to the outcome you're going to get.
2: Maybe we'll give it one after yeah. the end. He's relying on uh, the first system. Well, we'll he's, a, it he, love
1: it. he's a uh, you know he's a, a psychologist that won the Nobel Prize in economics through a, a theory that I'm sure is going to cover Jesus. human behavior is, is uh money's more about human behavior than it is about dollars and cents and, and balance sheets. Amen. All right.
0: Cool. Well, thank you guys going for, through. for hanging out, seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of the same faces as well. I appreciate you guys joining and right reading on. and being part of the community. It means the world to us. So thank you and, and hope you're uh, continuing to get good info. Take care. All right, guys. Bye.